0: What's up, everybody? We've got a new episode for you. This is our first episode of 2021, the year that hopefully gets better. We'll find out. (laughs) Um, We are going to be doing a special mini-sode for everyone. Our Um, long-awaited
1: number two, by the way. Yes, long-awaited
0: number two. And we are going to be discussing the movie 1BR with the producer Alok Mishra and one of the stars, Naomi Grossman.
2: I just moved here. I don't really know anyone.
3: What brought you to LA?
2: Trying to start a new life.
3: Missed one here. Any pets?
0: Nope. You got it. We're neighbors. Hey, listen,
3: we're having a barbecue. You should come. Welcome. We like to make this place feel like a real neighborhood.
0: And we all kind of take care of each other here.
2: Does the plumbing do that every night? Do what? So tired all the time. Do you hear that noise? I don't hear anything very well anymore. Do you think I'm crazy? <gasps> Doing. Run! Run!
0: We got an exciting conversation ahead, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. We can go ahead and jump right in. So thank you for being on. Yes, thank you.
1: So first off, I saw because both Aaron and I are big fans of this podcast. uh, Y'all had done an interview with last podcast on the left with Henry and Ben, and we love them. Now, my first question is. You realized what podcast you're on here, right? Like they're they're big leagues. We're we're amateur hour here, right? <laughs> like thank, uh, but no, thank seriously. you, thank you so much because this is kind of a dream come true. Uh, one of the goals we wanted to achieve was was getting more industry people on. Yeah, well, that, thank well, you a lot.
3: That's very sweet of you to say. And uh, the last podcast on the left, uh, you don't understand. We were chasing them for such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were lucky to get on them. But uh, they actually, it was funny. They, they actually mentioned us on their podcast like when we came out in April. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally want to do that podcast. So I started listening because my friend was a big fan of their podcast. I hadn't listened to it before. And because of it just being mentioned on there, I started listening to it. And they are fucking hilarious. Like, I mean, there's so yeah. many, so there's such a library they have that it's like, it's like it's a pleasure. Even the ones that aren't as good, let's say, are still brilliant yeah, compared to absolutely. so many things that are out there and this and that. So we were really super happy to be on there. But, you know, the truth of it is this. I think that, you know, we, we go on all these different podcasts and like you guys may be sort of like, you know, I think that you guys have, you know, I, I've listened to some of your stuff. You guys have done some good stuff. And I think the thing of it is that you never know who's going to be the next podcast on the left. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's just people are, are learning their craft and doing their things. And, you know, you guys ask really good questions. I think that it's just a matter of time before people such as yourself become bigger. And so, you know, we're happy to to do these and 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 I'm sure this is going to be a lot of fun. So, you oh, know. We-
1: We really appreciate it. And Naomi, I can officially say you are our first celebrity guest.
3: Aw,
4: well, Alok is not totally wrong. I will talk to anyone. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, but I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chatty Kathy with no one to talk to, but you know, you guys. So thanks. Not that you're not very, very special, but
0: (laughs) we, we definitely appreciate y'all taking time out of y'all schedules to jump on our show. So we are very excited. So yeah, the movie that we are going to be chatting about is y'all's most recent Project One BR 2019 movie. It's available on Netflix, Amazon Prime. Um, written and directed by David Marmer and starring Nicole Bryden Bloom, Naomi Grossman, and lots of other great people. Um, the movie is about a young woman who moves to a let's let's call it better than it appears apartment complex a one bedroom
1: apartment yes and um
0: turns out that things are more sadistic than they appear on the surface so and
1: and if listeners if you listened to our last episode uh gremlins episode it was one of my horror recommendations on there um and I, i spoke a little more in detail about that
0: so uh if you haven't seen it It's on Netflix. What are you doing? Go watch it. That's Um, great. So we are going to be discussing the movie more in depth, and we are going to be talking spoilers. So there's your warning. If you have not watched the movie, definitely go ahead and check it out. But yeah, from there, uh, we can go ahead and get started. So thank you all again for coming on. Uh, Naomi. Yes. Actress, writer, producer, best known for her breakout role playing Pepper in American Horror Story, Asylum and Freak Show, as well as Samantha Crow in season eight, Apocalypse, Emmy nominated. For her role in Control Alt Delete, and then also starred in Murder RX The Lurker, Bite Me, Painkillers, The Chair, Fear Inc. Those are just your horror movies from the last few years. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you get in the industry? I saw that you went to Northwestern and you're a former member of the Groundling. So tell us how you how you got in the game.
4: Um, well, uh yeah, my background is actually not in horror at all. It's primarily in comedy. I, I you know, from a very young age I knew I wanted to be in entertainment. I'm always I'm a what is it? Performer on the Enneagram. I'm uh <laughs> you know, as like I said, as long as I have an audience, I'm happy. You know, I mean from a really young age, I was uh you know, my parents were really great about exposing me to theater and culture and art. And, you know, we'd go to the symphony and the ballet and the, you know, you name it. And I just always wanted to be up there. And sometimes I almost was like, <laughs> you know, storming the aisles. <laughs> They're like, no. Anyway, uh, you know, so from a really young age, I got involved with uh, children's theater in Denver, which is where I'm originally from. And, um, and, you know, was kind of like the star of every, play and did you know what little film and television there was in Denver uh, and then yeah I, I just sort of always had my eyes on the prize I applied to Northwestern sight unseen it was just you know top of the list of the you know world news report whatever as far as you know drama schools was concerned and that's all I cared about so yeah. uh, I went and did that and um, moved to Los Angeles just because I'd had four years of Chicago winter and that was enough uh, I also had a boyfriend at the time he was he was my RA in, in, in college who you know it's like a older man who
2: um
4: <laughs> was uh he moved out here before me and was a PA on friends which was okay. basically like being you know Spielberg in my mind you know what I mean like <laughs> oh you're getting coffee for Jennifer Anston like Oh my god! Like you've made it already, right? So anyway, I, I followed him out here, and of course that relationship dissolved before I'd even unpacked. You know, now I know he really did me uh, a huge favor uh, because I was able to kind of like find my way o- on my own, and part of that was meeting a loke. I'll be honest; like uh, one of my uh, college friends was also uh, native Angelino, like a loke, and uh, went to school. Uh, they went to high school together and then of course she and I went to college together her friends became my friends and one of them was eloped. so uh, you know he's he's been a, a friend for a long long time little did I know you know this whole time I've been you know networking but um, yeah I mean this this whole sort of journey I, I did sort of I knew that this was a really hard business and and what do they say you, you gotta find your niche you know gotta get a gimmick
2: Yeah, and uh, I
4: always figured that my gimmick was gonna be sketch comedy you know really over the top characters big wigs um and sort of saturday night live style stuff and that's really what i concentrated on um i mean don't get me wrong i was you know a a theater major at northwestern like i had to do you know everything from the greeks to shakespeare so i've had a full you know drama education but I figured it made more sense to really focus in on what I really really wanted which no regrets but at the same time I think instead of concentrating on the genre which was comedy what it ended up ended up working out better for me was honing uh what it is that I do well and that is big characters because the fact is Pepper, for example, which was my breakout role, as you said, um, you know, is a big character. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if you dial her up, she could totally kill it on SNL. Uh, You know, she killed it on AHS instead. But the fact is, like, (laughs) horror really lends itself to to some of these really big characters. I mean, when you think about it, like Freddy Krueger, what he's like a dude with like a burned face and like razor gloves. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of like totally and. No. Oh, completely. And, but I guess what I'm saying is these big characters, they're not just sketch comedy tropes. Like they work across all genres. And so ultimately, I was kind of limiting myself by doing that. But hey, it all worked out.
1: <laughs> well, and knowing knowing that background that there was a little bit of comedy focus for a while in your performance in 1BR as Janice, that makes that character even more sinister for me because oh, I've God. kind of been finding even in more recent movies that whenever villains or just sadistic characters are, they cast comedians in those roles because I'm thinking of Mindhunter a lot of the serial killers cast in Mindhunter were comedians and like it just adds this degree of brutality and sinisterness or sinister nature to it um that otherwise wouldn't be there
4: yeah well listen Alok was obviously brilliant to cast me but he was also my friend so he kind (laughs) of had to but um yeah I uh and of course we're about all about 1BR right now, but um, at the same time, I will say mad props to the Ryan Murphy team for casting me. Uh, I mean, it changed my life, but more importantly, (laughs) like an improviser, you know, an improv comedian uh, was really the perfect choice, you know, because let's face it, I didn't have a whole lot to say. Pretty much everything I did was just physical sort of reaction in the moment, uh, which is, uh, I mean, that's acting 101, but also, you know, I mean, that's what, when you watch Whose Line Is It Anyway, or any of those sort of like improv shows, back when we could... Go to improv shows. <laughs> you know they were. That's what they're doing. They're they're creating a a character like on on the spot, and that's. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I had a little more preparation than that, but um, an improviser was sort of the perfect match for that role, and of course, Janice too, for that matter.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I always I always love Naomi. Always says this line. I don't know if I'm butchering it or not, but she's always like, "I didn't go looking for horror, but horror." came and found me and yeah. it's become a thing where she's just so known to be sort of in that universe but then people don't know that like she is she was like you know amazing on groundlings and had she you know kept that trajectory I definitely think you would have seen her on Saturday Night live you know I mean she was definitely a kind of a heat-seeking missile when it came down to that kind of stuff but then all of a sudden I went to a birthday party to Thai restaurant and Naomi shows up with like it's fucking haircut and we're like what's going on because <laughs> it was like her hair I mean you're know, looking at the her flowing locks right now but like her hair was totally cut all the way back and she just had like a a hurry krishna like ponytail (laughs) on there and we were like what the fuck is going on with your hair naomi and she's like i can't talk about it you'll see in the
2: fall (laughs) And we saw (laughs) yeah Yeah, (laughs) but that was
3: like amazing and then it just she just blew up from there and so my background is i worked in market research for film i tested movies for 18 years and so you know i went through this life-changing experience where i got divorced and uh, i was like what is it all about and so i decided i was gonna like you know quit my job and make movies and so i did and so when you do that you're like okay well i have this script i found the script and naomi i went to her first and i was like hey listen i want you to read this because i want you to tell me if it's any good and then, because uh, I think it's great and this is like say 2017 like April let's say and so I basically she read it she loved it and I was like okay well there's a part in here for you just wait and so fast forward to like, like October of that year we had to bring her in to read just because the director wanted you know to, just to make sure she wasn't a crazy person or something and could get along with her she had the part but uh, we you know, we brought her in and you know she got the role despite my bad reading against her because I'm, you know, I'm not a fucking actor I'm a producer and, <laughs> but like as an independent producer you do, you do many roles, and you know yeah. she she thought that I was trying to fuck her up because like we, we would play many nights of drunken trivial pursuit, and I always read the questions, and I'm trying to fuck with you when I read the questions, right? And You may know you the can answer. be a total
4: quiz master. It does not matter when when you are playing against a Mishra, you have no chance. He will read those questions so crazy you don't even you can't <laughs> even tell they're English, and that is how he was he read for me in the in the audition. To be fair, however, that is not technically his job. Sure. You know, yeah. Uh Indie producer, they wear a lot of hats and audition reader is not one he yeah. intended to wear. But he But it comes uh, with the
0: territory, yeah.
4: Comes with the territory. Of all the hats he had to wear, I would say That's the one he wore worst. But (laughs) it's not to say we didn't have an amazing team behind this movie. Still, he had his hand in every single aspect of this film. And I kid you not from, oh, well, for one, I highly encourage if you're going to watch it again, memorize his face. And then watch the movie, and every time you see Aloke working as, uh, you know, as an extra, lurking in the background, or, or, or moving a box or something in the s- flipping
0: burgers in the patio. Yeah,
4: you'll see. He, I mean, he, <laughs> you will be wasted by the end of this movie. I'm not even kidding. He
3: play a drinking guy every time you see me. Or, you were you
1: one? Were you one of the people that like when she runs out of her apartment and like the people are coming out of their doors and like looking sinister? Were you like what? one of the sinister?
2: Extras in I, that scene,
3: you know. For, I was the only scene I don't think I'm in because we happened to have <laughs> okay. enough extras that day. Because what well, what happened is that we we had actually asked our friends and family to come out to the valley where we were shooting the movie and and be in the movie. And so invariably, your your friends and family will disappoint you the most because they're like, "Man, that 4:05 today that looks yeah. bad. <laughs> I can't I can't make it out there to be an extra in your movie. Fuck you." <laughs> I mean, yeah. depending on you and like i have a producing partner i have a we have a production company called um, malevolent films and my producing partner is shane Borister. and invariably we would have to go out there and be in the fucking movie so we'd be in video village and they'd be like all right you fucking guys get out there why the fuck are you wearing a t-shirt that has logos on it why do you yeah. do this like because i don't fucking want to be didn't plan this. on going yeah because yeah, i think i'm going to be a video village like a regular real producer watching the no. footage and yeah. not in a fucking movie and they'd be like get the fuck turn your shirt inside out and get a Fuck out there, like, ah, you know. <laughs> so,
4: now, my- maybe for the next one. Now, you know, you're c- cutting your teeth, and, uh, you know, yeah, we have that's goals. when you know you've really made it a look as a producer when you can just. Sit in video village when you have minions to go and do your errands for you. I mean, I don't another have to go to Costco in the morning. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> right. Right. To
1: Costco and pick up
2: like fucking so
4: granola among,
1: bars. Among, love among, from the love of the craft. Yeah.
4: Among the million things that went wrong in producing this movie, there was uh, we had an, another actress that was supposed to play the role of Sarah Nicole Blaymer really? character. Yeah, and um, this lady, I don't even know who she is. I uh, can't say either way. A won't tell me, but maybe <laughs> libel, maybe she's yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not giving her that power. But the point is, uh, in her rider, she needed this like feminine energy drink, whatever that is like a pink red bull or something i don't even know but anyway apparently it's only available or rather they like organize to have like a truckload come but the truck is gonna be like (laughs) three days late and like who can't live for three days without a feminine energy drink me for one i've lived my whole life without (laughs) one but apparently you know alok is so thorough he's like she needs it she needs it so he drives all the way out to marina del rey which is if you've ever seen the californians on snl that's like literally like 15 freeways from where he yeah. is okay, yeah. so like it's a it's a huge inconvenience to go to this like fancy schmancy Gelson's like super obnoxious grocery store. Think, think of Whole uh,
3: Foods, but even even more like yeah. you know, bougie, you know yeah, whatever yeah.
4: So he goes, but again, this is the producer is out in the uh, armpit of well, I shouldn't say armpit of. Ray's right sure lovely there's... by
1: the way. Oh, it's lovely. It's <laughs> fun. In case we have it's... listeners out there, yeah, it's great. Oh, love
4: yeah. It. (laughs) it's it's, it's actually
3: lovely it's actually I'm not lying about that
4: uh. it is it's very nice I shouldn't say armpit it's if LA is the face it's the belly button, okay? It's fine. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so
3: black, it's, it's gorgeous, <laughs> very kissable, and
4: you know. Oh yes, er- 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 a <laughs> bit even. But um, <laughs> he's the one picking up the uh, feminine drink. As it turns out, that was supposedly the only Gelson's that, that that had it, and so you know he went to go pick it up. As it turns out, he had to like beg the manager to go look for it in the back. <laughs> he was very reluctant to do so, but finally conceded. As he was literally like the manager was off going to look for this pink Red Bull uh, the, uh, they got a phone call from this actress or rather their agent saying uh, she's out no explanation not only has she quit but also the Brian character who she uh, was a friend of apparently she roped him in he's also out so they've basically in the like 10 minutes that the manager's gone to go look for this product and uh, they've lost two of their leads yeah everything's oh, changed oh but you know these things always come in threes they Lost, then <laughs> they then head to the bar because that's how you deal with your problems, right? Uh, yeah, they uh, um And while they're there, they got a call from the original Miss Stanhope's reps saying that um, her husband has collapsed, is dead, and now uh, out Jeez. as well. So it was like they couldn't get a break. But anyway, that's just one illustration of like all the hats that uh well, well, well that wore.
3: was that's very sweet of you to to, to say Naomi but uh, the thing of it was that um th- there were a lot of disasters I mean that particular disaster like I mean that poor manager came back and was like ah I found another case because we had one case but we didn't think that was enough to get us through three days you know this, this young lady would drink so much of the fucking energy drink <laughs> And, and to be honest, we don't have the name of the energy drink because the company was nice enough to send us for free yeah. a whole huge, like, you know, oh, that, pall- yeah. pallets cool. of it. If we would just show it in the movie, which we had planned on doing. But then this woman drops out, the manager comes back, he has a whole case of it, and we're like, we don't need it. We don't need anything. <laughs> 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 so, well, this poor guy it's like thinking he's done something wrong. We go to the bar. We, you know, whatever, sit down. And this is on Monday. And we're supposed to shoot on Thursday. And yep. so now we're like, we've lost three people in the span of like, Including I
2: don't Including the
3: lead back. actress. The lead actress, right? And we had was sent- was in
4: like, every frame of this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: she is. We, we had sent the-, the you know, And the funny thing is, David Marmer, our, our brilliant writer-director, this wasn't his first choice. His first choice was Nicole Bryden Bloom. And we had to- Who's we, fantastic, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, was she's amazing, great. right? Yeah.
3: We had to literally sit him down and like, you know, put a gun to his head to say, listen, putting all this money in this goddamn movie, I may have mortgaged and already paid off house, right? Like, we need to put this other girl in because she already, you know, makes us whole without shooting, shooting a frame of film. So he finally agreed. We flew him up to, you know, wherever it was, Vancouver, Toronto, whatever the fuck it was to, to she's, she was working on some like amazing show on like Disney or something. And we've flown him up there and he got more comfortable working with her And then she drops out. Yeah. So now we're like, holy shit, what do we do? And so we pushed the shooting back like a week and. And then we just started trying to, like, recast everything. And Nicole actually was so sweet. She came out, you know, she said yes, like, on a Wednesday or something. And we got her out by the Friday. We're shooting on Monday. We still don't have the Miss Stanhope character. We don't have the Brian character. And so what wow. happens is that we start. I beg friends to send me reels of older lady actresses, and I get Susan Davis's reel, and I watch the reel. And there's a phone number at the end of it, and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm gonna call this number, and I think I'm gonna get her agent or manager, but I don't. I get her, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, ah, that's
2: this is, fantastic. Uh, this, is,
3: this, this is highly inappropriate, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you the movie, and I'm gonna pitch you us. And so she <laughs> she stood there listening to my shit and she was like, well, you know, I've never been in a cult movie before. This sounds, this sounds quite interesting. And she had done horror movies before. Like, I mean, she's worked yeah. with Darren Bozeman, Bozeman or whatever, who did like, you know, the Saw movies and Repo, the genetic opera and stuff like that. And so she said yes, like 9.30 in the morning on Friday. And by 11.30, we had signed her. Anyway, uh, what happens is that we're calling in favors to every friend we know. Like, oh, we know like yep. Jason Blum and his head post-production they're gonna help us like keep CAA and ICM and you know these agencies open later to help us cast our shitty little movie and uh, finally we get a call from Gersh who was actually very instrumental in everything they were actually Nicole's agent as well and uh, Giles Matty who plays Brian now uh, had called to say he will take the role What we later found out and Naomi educated me a little bit here was that he had been driving down from like San Francisco and and had to, like, pull over to the side of the road to, like, read the script on his phone. And he just apparently read his part. Didn't even read the whole script. Uh, and, and he said yes. <laughs> and we were, like, sitting at Barney's, and we're like, ah, thank God. But you know, Emily told me, she's just like, you know, it's... um. It's very rare that we read the whole script. Uh, we just read uh, our part to uh, make sure it's not a, not a porno. That
1: makes sense. <laughs> not to, to make, make sure it's not a porno. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I thought they would read the whole script, but Naomi, well, you can tell us. Uh, it's, it's very rare, really. I
4: mean, I'm not. I'm just saying it happens. I mean, sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes you're driving from San yeah. Francisco. Like, uh, what is he going to sit on the highway overpass, like reading on the side? You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: so it, no, it, he
4: knows <clears throat> you need to know. All he needs to know is if it's a porno and
2: <laughs> and it
4: wasn't I, at the same time at a certain point you have to trust your agents yeah yeah you know uh giles read the script like it's not like he shot the movie without knowing how it ended exactly so. The yeah.
3: happy happenstance was we fortuitously traded up with so much of this nicole is sarah i mean it was great because she came out of new york and so there was that added sort of effect of her being a fish out of water in yeah. that respect which also sort of you know interestingly bled into the film uh, because like you know we would we would end the day like you know be like hey what are you doing tonight ah well I'm, I'm gonna go over to you know whatever here and she's like oh well i'm going back to the hilton in the valley <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. a nice hilton the valley. I'll, give, I'll grant you that. But uh, you know, poor thing was just, you know, kind the of armpit. I mean, that's The Marita armpit. If Marina Del Rey is the uh, belly
4: button, the valley, the is,
3: valley the is the armpit. The, the armpit. valley. <laughs> Sadly, I, I moved to the valley and I live like about two miles away from the actual apartment complex that we actually shot at now. Oh, wow. It, it's literally like just around the corner from the, the veterinarian I take my dog to. So every time I would drop off the dog for something or other, I would just drive around the corner and be like, what's going on over here? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that was a question I had. Is this an actual in-use apartment complex that y'all oh, yeah, kind of yeah, borrowed yeah. certain spaces of for a while or was it like temporarily shut down and under construction and y'all could use it or what was the situation? The there? extras
4: the extras that we didn't, you know, that weren't alok or other uh, <laughs> members of the production were often actual residents of this apartment that's, building. Uh, that's we awesome. Like, it's great. Wanted to be in the movie. So at a certain point I remember um, there was a dog barking and we are like, the whole point is like it's a pet-free facility. Like we yeah. can't have that like a dog that screws it all up. So, here Loke is like, "What do we do? Can we pay somebody twenty bucks to like walk that dog? Like, what are we gonna break and enter their house?" Well, we what,
3: one of one out? of them. I mean, allegedly, like you know, there's someone who wasn't home, and I was like, "I wonder if we can fucking just break in and take that dog." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, allegedly. allegedly.
1: And, yeah. and on that on that note, look, was it you or was it David who decided that not only were you going to have a moment of violence towards a pet, which is something that Aaron and I have discovered since starting this a film. joke about that. that that's uh, a major trip of horror, horror is the pet bites it pretty badly. This might be arguably like the most fucked up a pet gets that we've done of like any movie. Was that well, your
3: idea? Was it David's? Whose well, idea? It, it, well, it was always in the script, but to okay, be honest, yeah actually it was much worse wow because
1: so uh, oh, wow. <laughs> well, that scene is also like terrifying in general well
3: she, they ha- he originally had a scene where she comes home and the cat has been actually like crucified um, right and even so i had tested movies for 18 years and i was like okay listen we shouldn't try to kill anything if we can help it, but you know we kind of have to because there has i mean for david the reason he wrote that scene because he's a cat lover he has like you know had two or three cats and he's actually had his story is very much based off of his experience moving to los angeles in that he had a misbegotten cat that he shouldn't have had in a pet-free sort of like complex. And oh. he was always so nervous about it because he was worried if he like opened the door, let the door or door open ag- accidentally or something, the cat would run out and he'd be found out. So this was sure. a real fear that he had. And so his biggest fear is if something ever happened to his cat. So that's yeah. why he kind of wrote the idea. now here's a horrible thing: like the one thing we get shit about. The number one like comment on uh Amazon is like a bad review who's like, Oh my god, you've you know, fucking did this to a cat. How dare you? I didn't even watch the whole movie. One star and there's some <laughs> people like, ah yes, that's helpful, that's helpful and I'm like Fox, you with log, this
4: Like you just said, and when you're describing this, you were like, "When we killed the cat, we
2: didn't <laughs> actually kill the cat." Yeah, yeah.
3: I <laughs> I mean, I mean obviously, fictitiously killed the cat. <laughs> no, but yeah, but
1: yeah. yeah. Let's what, clear it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh,
3: no, no, like, they realize what they're, just, they're just, fictional they're just, they're just like too <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> okay. They're like, they're. They just are
4: too sensitive. so sensitive. It's a yeah. horror movie. What do they expect? Well, and to the point
0: that I had earlier, like every other horror movie is going to kill a pet. That like that seems to be the trope. So that's your you're just never like, gonna watch one of the movies.
1: first one of the because like I, I have two cats uh I'm also was born and raised with dogs Aaron you're a dog person when we started this project I'm aware of horror like I'm pretty tuned into it but horror movies I just I'm don't the know the movie details junkie. you're the movie junkie and I did not realize to the extent how many pets get fucked up in these movies and one of the first movies we did was the autopsy of Jane Doe which has a cat that gets killed and then on screen they burn it in the furnace to like spread its ashes around whatever. And I was like, Okay, and then the, the two scenes that haunted me the most. And this is where I really felt David's presence in this movie was that scene where she finds the notice the set of rules of like the no pet policy. And it has like people have allergies, you bitch like written in red over it. And that was like really menacing. And then it goes into that scene later on where she's attacked after discovering what's in the oven. And that is possibly the scariest part of this movie, at least it was for me. That's
0: all stuff that you can relate to. That's stuff that you've lived through. People have really experienced those types of situations, and that's something I was going to ask as well, and you mentioned David Kind of brought some of his real life experience of moving out to L.A. into this script, but it's it's definitely something that you can relate to. Not everybody gets wrapped up in a cult, but the like day to day stuff like that leading into the reveal certainly it's effective because you can relate to it.
3: Well, you know it's interesting. Like uh, uh, we've seen stuff in our social media where people have posted stuff like I feel like I'm in one br, and there's this like one neighbor that written this one poor young lady I know that says I can hear you having sex every morning, and your rap music is too loud, and honey. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Sex isn't that good. Just shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, and she was like people getting all one br up in here like <laughs> if you put this note up i was like damn but like you do deal with some of those things living just in you know sharing spaces with people with yeah. like walls and you know roofs and, and you know floors and whatever it's definitely something that is here what's also interesting about that the look of that particular apartment is that everyone in los angeles who's ever lived in la has lived in one of those places before because totally. there's so many yeah. of these adobe stucco kind of wall looking places that have courtyards because it's sitting lovely outside and have pools and blah, blah, blah. And these are such common sort of like apartment complexes. And, you know, when we were looking for this particular one, we were scrambling. Because we thought we had one place and then they were like, last minute they were like, okay, you know, we're going to rent you for four days. And then the last minute they were like, ah, pay us $3,000 extra. We're like, we don't have any money. Yeah, <laughs> That was like the upper end of what we could afford. So we, when we found this place, we went there and looked at it together and I was like, this is fucking perfect. And Dave looked at me and was like, yeah, because the thing of it is it looks like one of those apartments, but also it looks kind of almost very uniformly prison-like in a way. Like
1: it does. The, the movie the really balls, captures it. Yeah. Yeah, the high
3: the movie,
0: windows, the lighting, get, like all of that. Yeah. The yeah, yeah.
3: way that there's a shape of it. Like the shape of it, and the way that there's not that many ways to kind of get out or you could kind of feel that way and so that was like sort of the perfect thing and again the neighbors were lovely and they were so nice and they wanted to be in the movie and the only complaint we could ever have was that there was like you know the off dog barking here and again which you know we had to like work around and but other than that though they were very lovely and the location was perfect really for the the film.
1: And I think it sets it up so well from the types of horror and phobias and fears that this movie brings up. The way it begins it's almost a commercial of it's almost like a dreamscape version of a commercial like come live in our ideal community and then you mirror that same scene later on in the movie and i just thought that was like chef's kiss great setup for taking something that on the surface looks so perfect and it has a dark underbelly which time and time again on this podcast for me at least is the thing i respond to the most possibly out of war.
3: you know somebody said this recently and I was like yeah this is they're kind of right about it they're like this uh, does for apartment complexes what the Jaws did for the ocean uh, <laughs> <terms of> like, <laughs> never want to go there ever I, again? I'm yeah. looking over my shoulder that fucking bastard just waved to me I don't know you I don't know you <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so they're definitely yeah, sorry Naomi gonna say something.
4: I don't know if I mentioned one of uh, some of my neighbors actually didn't know I was in it and saw me in the courtyard because I also live in a like a condo that it's not in the armpit <laughs> but um uh you know same deal like they're like oh hey and they but they didn't realize i was in it and they they saw they were like huh, we just saw one br you could tell they were like <laughs> it was one of those same thing like uh, smile and wave look away
2: yeah it, it
4: was just funny because like you know i'm li- they're literally like sharing this wall with me
1: so well and and the social anxiety is is real and again going back to realistic horror like that that's just a perfect example of like that weird social anxiety you even get with new neighbors and on that note something i really appreciated in this movie and i might have mentioned this in gremlins i can't remember if i did but nicole's performance and also the way the character was written something i really appreciated was she had some kind of mental illness be it depression anxiety it's a small part of the movie and it's very show don't tell which I appreciated of she's trying to get her prescription filled I I believe it was Zoloft and as someone who has had a history of mental illness myself in the very similar like ways of depression anxiety I love when uh, more stories especially horror movies tackle mental illness in realistic ways and that's all I needed for to be impressed by that like was that just that small little scene of her and it also added to the horror later on of when she's getting indoctrinated of like you don't need pills to like be a fulfilled person Anti-medicine, anti medicine, uh, anti science kind of mentality of that. I'm trying not to blow too much smoke up your ass, but like, thank you for putting that in your movie. That was.
2: Well- it's, a it's, great uh, choice.
3: it's it's David Marmer's ass and uh, he's uh, you know he's he's brilliant. Um, David what, what can we tell you like you got very lucky and just and fortuitously meeting him. It just turned out that my wife went to high school in New Jersey with his manager who's also a producer on the film. Uh, Allard Cantard uh, and uh, Jared Murray are are two managers who run a company called Epicenter and they they're David's representation. And so I had one of those lunches with uh, Allard those douchebag LA lunches where you like sit and talk about the projects you're working on and like, you know, very self-important bullshit. But uh, he he was like, oh, what are you looking for? I'm like, oh, I'm looking for, um, we're looking to do elevated horror. Stuff like, you know, The Witch or Hereditary or stuff like that. Sort of thinking man's horror movies. And he was like, oh, I'll send you two scripts. And I was like, okay, great. And I never read them. For six months <laughs> in my defense to be fair i had another project i was working on and we were going to go to production on uh, that fell through and sure. then immediately i started reading everything I was, ah, i'm reading three scripts a day because i gotta find something because you know we fucking yeah. lost that and so um i came across the two scripts he had sent me one was tragedy girls if you've ever seen that great yes. film horror comedy i said no to that because i was like ah horror comedies are hard to work out they're like white stags if they do work because everyone who wants a horror movie is getting you know something that's a little funnier than they would like and everyone who wants something funny is getting something more horrible than yeah. they like and so i was was like ah it's not gonna work it's and- tough
0: to balance that tone and it's tough to, to naomi's point earlier it's tough to find the right people that can manage both of those
3: tones totally and totally hit that- yeah it's exactly the case. And so I was like, ah, they, I, you know, i have no interest in that. And they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." Cuz yeah, we just finished shooting that last week. And I was like, "Well, what do what do I know?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh they, they but but they that one other movie was 1BR. And so I met with David Marmer. We both got along very well and uh, you know, Shane and I loved the script and we had the same sensibilities uh, David and us. You know, I'm not going to say we didn't have like, you know, disagreements uh, here and again like with certain casting things, but but the, by and large we got along very famously. And in so much so that we're we're doing another movie together his next movie together so it's like you know we definitely oh, that's great. trusted each other when you don't have any money things take a lot of time and so we shot this movie in 2017 December because you know around Christmas time it's cheaper and I'm a money-grubbing producer <laughs> uh, and then we kind of realized that we needed more um, sort of uh, coverage for it and we needed to reshoot the ending and so we got the band back together so to speak in uh, September just the week of uh, the Emmys when poor Naomi Grossman was uh, you you know, supposed to be able to shine oh, she not for an Emmy <laughs> And I had to like beg her to come back. I was like, we squandered you, Janice. We squandered you, Naomi. We need more Janice. We need (laughs)
2: need more.
3: Multi-picture deal with Janice. (laughs) You need more cowbell? No, you need more Janice. (laughs) So so we got her back under false pretense, but it wasn't false pretense because she understood that it was a good movie. It was gonna be something great. And she she was able to
4: And they weren't wrong. They did squander me.
3: They just didn't rectify it (laughs) yet. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the key
0: yeah. that's, we well, gotta Janet, wait for the Janus cinematic universe
3: well i mean right i mean the uh, listen uh one br the chronicles of janice i can see yeah. it can you see it <laughs> well so, i mean
1: gotta... the ending is great for two reasons a i thought it was a great ending just because it's also it, it was both hopeful and despair at the same time which yeah it's very fantastic. good in
0: that like twilight zone yeah you know, and, no but nonsense. two
1: it definitely keeps the door open to explore more in the world of 1BR. Yeah.
3: And, and I can tell you between you and, you know, I, I told this to a lot of people, we're definitely doing a sequel. It's definitely oh, happening. I'm it's excited. Just, we're we're oh, doing great. we're doing another movie after this. And then after that, we're doing David Marmer's next movie. It's so, in the
0: pipeline. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah. By next year this time, hopefully we'll be shooting a sequel to
1: uh, 1BR. That's Ooh.
3: what we're lining up right
1: now. That's great. So we'll see. That's it's great. Not, and
3: it's not called 2BR, by the way.
1: I was debating in my mind if that was hokey to ask that. Is it
3: 2BR? Everyone always (laughs) thinks it's going to be that, but we have much better names coming up. I mean, you know, I've already given you 1BR Chronicles of Janice. You can see where it
4: I love how you're already like, by next year at this time, like, I'm just lamenting all of those Emmy parties I missed because now I can't even gather with more than my pod. You know what I mean? So I'm like, (laughs) wow, I just want to go to a party. Never, Never mind being a sequel, but hey, I'll take it.
0: Anything, yeah. One other question as far as the, like, theme of the movie goes and the the trappings of it. And this, you know, y'all might both immediately say, like, I don't know, ask David. But, I mean, the U.S. as a whole has always been, like, a weird epicenter for cults for 200 years california even is kind of this weird specific just center of that target why why cults like what what was the impetus for like making the focus of this cults i'm asking because it's one of those things where cult movies seem to be kind of getting back in vogue now and i think a lot of it is people are realizing oh cults still happen cults don't whoa, go away whoa, there are
3: we're w- witnessing one of the, the biggest ones that's falling apart yeah. right now with Nexium, right? Oh uh, yeah, well, no, that too.
0: Yeah, I mean oh. that's
3: the main one I've been thinking about recently. But a Naomi, spoiler alert
0: for everybody: it is yeah. January eighth, so we all just witnessed the insanity that happened at the yep. Capitol <laughs> yeah. in in live. So yeah, it's all happening right now.
3: Well, I mean, I was yeah. actually just I was just on a walk with my dog, and I just you know was strolling through shit, uh, 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 and I was like, wow, they're turning on Trump now just because he said like I'm going to let this other guy come in now. Now. Like they're they're turning on him. The cult mm-hmm. is turning on whatever. But Amy, do you want to tell the the cult story uh, as far as the David inspiration stuff? Or
4: well, sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> as a non-native Angelina, I can say like you're right about California being definitely kind of a but, and not just California, but specifically Southern California as being yeah. a real like breeding ground for this kind of thing. And I think the most of it is because you know so many of us move here, like myself, with you know nothing but a dream and you know maybe a cat we're not supposed to have and uh <laughs> and, and 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 we're we're vulnerable you know what i mean we want to believe and so it's it's cults uh, tend to sort of prey on people uh that are um you know looking for hope and need or are desperate and need something to believe in and and so many actors and writers and models and musicians yeah. are, are especially you know vulnerable to that
3: I mean, they're, um, also, they're also seekers. They're seekers and they're coming out here and when they don't quite, doesn't go quite as well as they think it is, they're then looking for some sort of validation or some sort of like something to, yeah. to build themselves up and make sure they made the right decision. Sorry. I mean, Alok
4: likes to joke that I'm in a cult myself uh, and <laughs> yoga, I will not miss. I'm sure we scheduled this interview today based upon my yoga cold schedule it is. Uh, for sure so thank you for clearing my class today but no the fact is uh, well and even then when I, I on my route to uh, my yoga cult I passed the Scientology Center yeah. shout out yeah. to L. Ron Hubbard uh, please don't body snatch me on my way <laughs> you know that's what, how Waze wants me to go um, the point is yeah you know like me David moved here in his case from the Bay Area uh, and moved into an apartment not unlike the one uh, you know we saw and you know he he too was just sort of uh, a man with a dream and a, a cat and uh, living in a one br and kind of looked around and he and and that's where this all came from is from thinking like gee what if they were in a cult <laughs> you know well, what I, if i yeah. just moved into a cult
3: I think that yeah. a lot of it too. I mean, you know, obviously you see Naomi dr- jokes about, you know, um, what's it called, uh, Scientology and stuff like that, right? Like where you just want to get body snatched by them, which you know, watch out, Naomi. But uh, <laughs> not only were that's they...
4: why I give them mad props.
2: Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not only was that kind of an inspiration for, it, but there's other cult called um, Sinonon. Was yep. a cult that um, was uh, for drug rehab originally. They, all cults start off with good intention, but somehow it really, nice. you know it, it devolves into some sort of yeah. cult of personality and Sinanon actually had a TV movie on NBC like a movie of the week like a, you know in the 70s where you know in the real story someone got killed and you know these guys moved up north to try to get away from everybody and everyone started shaving their heads. And there's a little filmmaker named George Lucas who was doing mm-hmm. his first movie called THX 1138 who needed bald extras and guess what? Yep. Most of the bald extras in that fucking movie are Sinanon members right? Yep. Yeah. So that I was a big story. Yeah so that was a big kind of inspiration for some of this story. The whole like round Robin slapping thing was you know a thing and you see it with like you know Nexium even has this sort of round Robin slapping thing that I saw like, there's like two Nexium documentaries now and I was like holy shit like we had done this movie much before all this stuff came to light the whole branding thing and whatever yeah. else stuff you know so it, it was def- Southern California served as an inspiration for the cults the culture and also for some of the real life stuff that we actually put in the movie as far as you know the breaking down of Sarah and like sort of like the cult think and whole like you know uh indoctrination is is very much inspired by you know true life cults and even like the sort of torture stuff that we do is also, you know, military research stuff that, you know, sadly we do is the U S government, yeah. let's say to certain people, you know, whether it be like blasting, you know, some version of music that's going to drive someone mad, uh, while they're breaking them down, you know? So all this yep. stuff was kind of true to life and, and the cults were definitely kind of ripped from the reality of Southern California.
1: Oh, well, I know that you and I kind of touched on this on, uh, our back and forth on Twitter, look, but something that I really appreciated about one BR, um, And actually another cult in California, movie and we had talked about it a little bit was the invitation, which Aaron and I have also covered on this show. Uh, was the idea of cults starting like self help of just like you are empty spiritually and you need some way to fix that. And the thing that I liked about One BR, whereas if if you want to say the invitation is more about focusing on the end result of all of that and with friends and family, One BR is focusing on the process of it and it's about community more. Uh, so your family is yeah. a community. And I thought that was fascinating that both took place in, in the California area. Both are Californian cults, but are so vastly different. And while touching on similar horrors are very separated from each other. And I, I think you and I joked about it would make a killer double feature to watch both those movies back to back. And it really would. Like if you want solid cult based horror set in California, like you can't go wrong then, uh, with those two movies back to
3: back. Yeah, I think I was also telling you, like I went to high school with uh, Matt and
1: that's who, right, who, yeah.
3: Who wrote huh, like okay. him and him and his partner, Philip Hay, wrote the movie The Invitation. And I took him to this place called Beer Belly that has really good beers and also fried Twinkies. So I, I, took, I yeah. took I took him there to have like a drinks with him and say, hey, listen, I got this script up we're working with, and I want you to read it. I just need to know if you think the ending is too similar to your movie or not, or whatever. <laughs> Okay. And so he read the script and was like nah nah it has nothing to do with it. It's all good. Go forth. Be you know be be well. da. da, da. And so he was cool with it. And then it just so turned out the next movie I'm doing is with one of the producers of the invitation, uh, Lindsay Lanzanetta. and she also like you know I think at that point she she watched the movie or something. It was like a rough cut of it, and she's like yeah yeah it's fine. It has nothing to do with ours. And so I was like all right because some people will sometimes say like ah you ripped off the invitation. I'm like no we didn't. It's different. No <laughs> they're
2: I,
1: very
0: I, very different in what they're yeah going I didn't for think that was how off they're going. For it and like what the main impetus of the characters are, like yeah, I mean, other than the fact that they're like cults in
3: California,
2: it's well, very well, different.
3: What well, the one thing that David did, I think, that was really interesting was that he took the movie and he made the story so that you kind of almost start seeing the cult's point of view in a good way right sure. like yeah. oh they're trying to help people they're not trying to sexually abuse this girl because a lot of people are like that's one of the comments we get too they didn't even try to like fuck sarah like <laughs> really like we had wow yeah. wow no, but that's i mean plenty thing. of movies already go there maybe we don't need any more yeah. that do the same I mean, thing it's, yeah. some twi- it's some twisted shit but like you know there, there's a movie i was kind of liking it to and this is like a good but horrible example american history x You see um, Ed Norton giving this speech about like what these people that are foreign people that are running this grocery store over here have done to us. They've stolen our jobs. They've done this. And you you listen to this like monologue and there is some truth to what he's saying. And and, and part of you maybe is almost like, yeah, he's right. Wait, he's a fucking Nazi. (laughs) Yeah, you know? yeah. so you kind of get to that place with the cult where they're like you know we just want to make you care for other people and care for your community and you kind of see this way where they're kind of doing this without sort of like you know any sort of besides their torture and besides you know hurting people but beyond that they seem like they're true to their word they're trying yeah. to actually build this community that's an aware nice community where people are good to each other which so is the see- reason
0: why people in real life end up Falling into all of that because oh, it does yeah. initially start off with all the light and fluffy things well, that like pull at you.
3: Well, the next—I mean, I even
4: got- the actual Nazis, like Adolf Hitler, and this is as a Grossman. Okay, I remember in history class, like he started off just trying to like fix the roads in Germany. Yeah, it didn't start <laughs> the way it ended.
3: You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's completely true. And uh, the, the point of it though is that David did a really skillful job of making the cult seem kind of reasonable. They're yeah. not like out to, to, to to fuck this girl they're not out to do bad things their methods are questionable 100 percent. but they are trying to build this like you know ideal community of sorts and so that being sort of realistic or even relatable was i think one of the strengths of the movie because you can kind of get why she could maybe be converted maybe yeah into this.
1: Yeah. And, and the great thing, too, on that, just even from like a purely horror perspective, is that allowed the movie to be brutal enough and uncomfortable enough that it would disturb the viewer, at least in my opinion, without going too far into just torture porn, Um, which I, th- I feel like a lesser film would have spent way too long in the. because like this film to me is three acts. The first act is her moving in and all this like creepy shit steadily happening to her. The second act is the indoctrination in that one room where she has to put her hands Against the wall. And then the third act is all, everything that happens from there. Like all the chickens come home to roost. And in that second act, I think a lesser film would have spent far too much time in that and would have taken it steps further and crossed the line even further. And I think 1BR is just disturbing enough that it did what it needed to do against this idyllic background, just enough to disturb you. And right when you're feeling almost too uncomfortable, it pulls the rug underneath you. And then, yes, it turns more into like, but hey, now things are kind of turning around for her in a weird way. It's still sort of fucked, but like, yeah, like you were saying, then that's where the, the magic trick of convincing the audience to like, maybe this cult has, has a point, like comes yeah. into play.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're totally right. It was a lot of, I mean, let's put it this way. You have a script, you shoot something, and then it maybe becomes something else in the edit, you know? Uh, yeah. And it was a thing where, okay, we realize there's three different acts you're talking about, but it became the kind of thing for us where we had to kind of slim things down in the first act, get, get her in that room because originally like our first act was like 33 minutes and we had a lot more sort of character development and different things like that. So we did some test screenings of it because that was my background. And we basically did like five different 20 person test screenings and focus groups. And we did it with friends of friends. It taught us a couple of things. One, we should get to her being in that torture room much quicker. So our thirty-three minute first act went down to twenty-two minutes. Right? And we yeah. were literally just
2: cutting. I was things just about out. to like,
1: say it felt like she was in there by twenty-five minutes. And yeah, yeah.
3: twenty-two. Exactly. I can tell you exactly. <laughs> twenty-two yeah, something. Yeah. Twenty-two, twenty-one. But like, we get her in that room quick so that people don't feel it's the first act is dragged. And then you, you, it kind of turned. and you're like, oh, okay, it's this now. And then it turns again like by the third act when her dad comes in and different things and you realize that she's not totally okay with this. Obviously she is like trying to figure out where she kind of stands with all of it. And then her friend comes and she realizes like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to get her the fuck out of here. And so, you know, it turns up, it turns up, you know, a a third time within that within the structure and stuff so it was the, the testing helped us understand and get to things like for the cat for example you know i wanted to see the cat literally come out of the oven and like its eye pop out and stuff and like, <laughs> you know, I, wa- I wanted that very badly and i was like i'll pay five grand out of my own pocket to like you know have it no the 75 uh, of the audience didn't want to see it the 25 percent that did want to see it including myself are hardcore horror fans this isn't a hardcore horror movie it's a psychological thriller with elements of horror and so we learned that from from the test screenings and I lost that fight happily so you know I mean like I was the only one who wanted to see more of the cat frankly and the eyes. You
4: don't out. have to pay that much for hot pussies.
3: Just oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just that's that's uh, what it is. It, not it would have been a
4: waste. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> anyway,
4: at one point in our production, uh, not only did we lose half the cast, which we told you that story, we also fought forest fires. Literally, like our production office, yeah. they were like googling our the address to Google make our- sure. Google Earth, make sure it's still there. Okay, it's still there. Let's go. But also, at one point, basically...
3: Um, seven, seven, se- eight, seven, day eight or day seven or something. Day
4: eight or day nine, they had a PA that was basically employed to, you know, babysit the trucks full of our equipment. And in the middle of the night, some basically, like, truck-stealing ring pulls up and steals one of our equipment, uh, our production van. And, you know, the PA is like, holy shit, there's actually... A I have a purpose so he peeled out and was uh,
3: Wait, uh he, he got he, he, he there's three trucks in a, in a row and he was in the second truck these guys in a white escalade with no plates pull up at like 2 30 in the morning three of them get out break into this truck uh one of them is driving away with the truck the other two get into their escalade and they don't realize the truck behind it has a person in it yeah who's, like watching this all go down who calls the police and then gets in his own car and then pursues them and i'll let naomi tell the rest of the story
4: well uh, basically he's behind the them uh, Talking to the cops, the cops are like, "Stand down." He's like, "I will not stand down, not <laughs> until
2: you get there." Oh my god! Sure.
4: And I mean, they're dragging down the 405. Uh, they finally corner the guy. He gets out, and it, this is all on broadcast television. It's a joke here, kind of like the Californians. Part of our like just re- regular entertainment is watching uh, high speed chases because there's just <laughs> so many. This is what we do for fun.
3: So this guy's on the phone to police, and all of a sudden, helicopter light comes onto the truck and like three cop cars like rush in behind the truck and this guy who's driving the truck tries to like gun it and get away and he gets off the freeway and tries to like you know race this box truck you know on these side streets and he's not getting away because there's like once a helicopter gets on you you're fucking done you're done son like every time you're done like so they pull him over to Chevron slash McDonald's gas station and they're so nice to him this is the fucked up part of it like you see all these like oh the cops are so mean to people they are lovely to this motherfucker (laughs) When they pull him out,
4: oh, he's gorgeous, like Brad Pitt, <laughs> beautiful. Listen, they probably didn't want to scuff up his face. That's his moneymaker. Mo- yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, Loak did not tell us any of this. He literally got news like something bad has happened. All they did was like push our call time by like an hour. Didn't even tell David the director what was going on. Not until the wrap party did he finally tell David what had happened, and then. (laughs) um, uh, didn't even tell us like the cast until Fantasia like that Q&A that is on the Blu-ray is actually uh, and you'll see you'll see the footage from like cops or whatever show it was where they (laughs) ended up you know where they aired it and you'll see how good looking it is and apparently like he's supposed to pay restitution or something
3: it was a truck stealing ring who had never been caught before their whole thing was they'd see like white production trucks or these kind of van looking big trucks yeah
0: they know they're loaded with goodies
3: (laughs) yeah and so so mm. were, there's a ring to steal these trucks and they, would, they was trying to drive it down to Tijuana because that's where they break it all up but he, this guy was new to the ring uh, You know, maybe <laughs> he's an actor, I don't know, whatever but the, the DA said he's he's making a deal and so he's supposed to pay us restitution and I've never seen one dive uh, so you know supposedly he's going to pay us like 13, 14 grand whatever we thought we were owed and uh, you know who knows but it's on the Blu-ray is the point uh, in terms excellent. Of if you want to pick that yeah. up. It's, it's some interesting stuff, I wish we could add more. There's no comments Yet, but I feel like we've given so many different podcasts that so you can just literally
2: yeah watch a podcast stitch it all together, together. Yeah. yeah yeah
3: I mean it's there so uh, but uh, if but you th- buy
4: the bl- Blu-ray that ultimately helps me because I did this movie for zero dollars but I do have points on the movie so every little Blu-ray helps thank you
3: Excellent. is
1: that the best way to purchase it if you're going to get the movie would that be the best for y'all uh, I mean
3: to- you know I'll say this I think I an mean, I mean, a fairer way to communicate it you make a lot more money off of uh, any VOD uh, sorry any digital copy versus the Blu-ray I can play okay. but the but the Blu-ray does have extras and so sure. that's the reason you yeah, yeah, purchase yeah. that but uh, you mm-hmm. know the, it's on Netflix I don't know anybody who's yeah. like it doesn't have Netflix I mean if you're in a foreign country or something yeah you probably got to still buy it on VOD I think here's one thing to point out to you guys is while we're on, on with you okay the movie is actually called uh, Apartment 1BR in the UK as well as Australia it's called Mad House in Japan it's called The Girl B-
4: in Apartment 1
3: in Russia in but Russia. it's also called it's also called Apartment. Welcome to the nightmare in Germany. And everyone's oh, great. Everyone else That's, is one br. Those are
0: great. These so, are the technical details that I love as a film nerd. Just finding definitely. out what the alternate titles are in every other country. Yeah, the German one, that one's great. <laughs> yeah, in I Spain,
4: mean... in Spain, it's umbr. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like I speak Spanish, and a invariably always sends me these Spanish language reviews but... and whatnot. And he's like, "Can you tell me what they're saying?" Like, I can't tell if it's like it's a good review or it's a bad. You know, I only want to tweet the good ones. And sure enough, like half of them, all they're doing is like umbr. What is it? Can ¿Qué es eso?
2: They don't
3: know what it's about. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it it is funny. Like what they decided to call it. I mean, we didn't know that no one understood the real estate abbreviation one br. We thought that like the English speaking countries would understand it for sure, but they have no fucking idea. So when it came down to our distributor in the UK, they were like, they wanted to call it all this different shit. And I really wanted to call it one br colon the flat or something like that. And (laughs) they were very insistent upon apartment one br. I'm like, fuck it, it's your country, do what you want with it. But we then we then tried to make it apartment one br for the rest. Of the countries who didn't understand what BR meant, right? Yeah. And invariably, we did what we could do. And then in most of the world, it's actually called 1BR, but there are certain countries they didn't even tell us, you know, because it really means nothing to them whatsoever. They just changed it on their own. And we were like, discovered it. We're like, oh, wow, Germany, it's called that. And Russia, <laughs> it's called that. Okay, good enough.
4: We've done enough of these podcasts, especially with other English speakers from all over. Like, half of the time, I'm having to like, read their lips. Like, I don't know what they mean when they're like, oh, the garage, the garage. <laughs> <laughs> who knew <It's> a, it
1: <laughs> is a garage that's
3: yeah. well i mean listen it's always the case it's, and that's what our differences are What to make us great in this world isn't it uh in that regard and uh and the main thing is this the main thing we're really happy the movie has found an audience we're really happy that holy shit we got to number one on fucking netflix like yeah. we, by all accounts this movie should have been dead and disappeared the day it came out but thankfully it tested well it had a good reception from the journalists and then more importantly it had a good reception from basically the main horror audience they loved the movie and that's the thing that helped us sure
1: it's one of the better directorial debuts i've seen yeah absolutely yeah yeah,
2: yeah. i mean and
3: I mean, productorial debuts as well oh thank you it's very sweet of you i mean listen listen he always get points on it too so she's like a producer too so you know buy it if you can if you want to buy it, buy it. <laughs> yes. We're, we're not telling you not to buy it uh, uh, but maybe yeah. buy it on digital instead of... Uh, well, look, the Blu-ray has a lot of extras, so that's that's good too. We oh, are, you yeah. want
4: that hot felon. I, I do.
2: <laughs> Friends, I mean,
4: we listen, I agree with you, look, I don't think we're going to get money out of that guy. But maybe we could offer him a role in Chronicles of Janus.
0: Well, you know, I, I mean, as the love interest, in my, make him work would, it off, yeah. I would
4: well, like I, to rehearse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get him on a payment well, plan, yeah.
4: I mean, listen, what a listen. Hot pussy for
0: Oh, sorry.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm going to say this. Like, I always have this fantasy in my head where he's like my monkey butler because he costs me so much money. And I'd be like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You're my monkey butler. And also, go rehearse with Naomi Grossman. I don't, I think, I think there's a role for you, but we're not quite sure. We want you to audition slash make out with Naomi Grossman (laughs) and uh, Mm -hmm. see what happens. We want to, she's very method. She's very method. And you're going to have to, like, see what happens. She's running a show, it's, it's, it's fucking Janice's show. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we first off, how do we know that Janice wasn't the you know, not only the, the ringleader queen, the
0: whole time? Yeah, yeah
3: the, she's a queen bee. Is she the queen bee or is she the fucking leader? She was <laughs> a leader all along. I mean, they always say like a, from behind a good man is a, an amazing woman. Yeah, I mean, we don't know that she wasn't the leader. You know, yeah, she so. was the
0: Wizard of Oz behind the curtain totally the entire time. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's right. That's the end.
4: I mean, right. I don't ask for much. I don't have you going to Marina Del Rey Gelson's to go get a feminine energy drink. The least you can do is find me a handsome co-star with, with whom to rehearse
3: that's, that's I mean gosh she's making so many good points here I don't even know what to say I feel like I should call the DA and see what the fuck happened with that money <laughs> please <Yeah. laughs>
2: well sure. it is definitely
0: a miracle that any movie ever gets made with a, all the headache that has to go into getting everything coordinated and done especially
1: with, though with kind of more indie projects like yeah, this indie absolutely. horror but
4: making an indie movie that doesn't look indie is even more miraculous
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely no, I mean, yeah. You
3: know, when you don't have money it takes more time because like when you have yep. friends that are like ah oh, like my high school friend slash college roommate is one of the best sound editors sound mixers in the business like he's done like you know alice in wonderland and 21 jump street and cloudy with a you know chance of meatballs and whatever right and like he works on the blacklist this guy didn't work for any money but it took us like four months to like pin him down but when he we pinned him down he worked for like a month straight and got us onto the sound stages at sony and stuff the place like you know during the week michael bay has been mixing like you know some piece of shit and <laughs> and then, and then at night, nights and weekends, we we're like hanging out. Oh, sorry, you know it was, it was it was it wasn't Michael Bay, it was McG. But you know, I think McG is like a poor man's Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but the point is that like, he helped us, but it took us, like, fucking four months to get yeah. this done, you know? So, yeah. don't have, so you don't have money. It takes you time. And so, you know, when we, we finished reshoots in, like, uh, 2018, September, we didn't actually finish the movie literally till a week before we were coming out at Fantasia Festival in July. That's how much time it took. And we were trying to apply to festivals and not getting into it. Anything, And thank God we got it. Into- you weren't done. <laughs> it, no, it, no it, truth, it wasn't done. It was an unfinished work. and But by the time it got more finished, we got into the bigger festival. And that got us into all these different festivals. And so we had a great festival run. We had great partners who picked us up with Dark Sky MPI, give them a, a shout out. Then it became the world's material. And the fact that people liked the film, people talked to their friends, gave us good word of mouth. And from April to basically when we released in August of this last year, we had such good word of mouth that we got to like number one I, uh, on on um,
4: number one on Netflix. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but even Netflix rejected this movie three, yeah.
3: three times. Three times wow. they rejected us, right? In April, after we'd done so well for a month, our distributor went back to them. We're like, "Hey, it's done super well," and they're like, "Okay." We'll take you. We're going to give you shitty money. <laughs> and we said yes. We said yes because we were like, we wanted to have the good exposure. And then we did really well on Netflix. And yeah. the funny thing is this. A couple weeks ago, a friend called me up and said, hey, listen, I was pitching something to Netflix. And they said to us, you know, we're looking for something female driven, contained, uh, kind of like a um, a 1BR. And we're like, <laughs> you Fuck go. you. <laughs> no, and we're kidding when I say fuck you to them because like, we love them and we'd love to do a sequel with them or whatever. You know, if but that's the fact the that you, out, but, you your
0: know. movie is now the pitch shorthand, yeah, yeah. says a lot,
3: yeah. Well, here's, here's, something, here's something we haven't announced yet that we found out, actually, that uh, this is something interesting in its own right. Our movie came out the end of August, not even in August, but even in August of this last year, we were the number 13 movie in August of, of the entire, all the movies they have on Netflix, we were the number 13 movie. Now, what we found out by the end of the year, we were only on half of the year, and we were against Studio Fair and different yeah. originals that Netflix puts out and We ended up being the number, I believe it's 96 or 97, top movie of the year for them and if you look at that that list we are probably the cheapest movie on this list of 100 movies so of all the movies watched on Netflix for all the different things that they have television show wise whatever sorry this is just movies by the way sorry it's just movies we were in the top 100 and as far as thrillers are concerned and horror movies we were the number nine top horror movie and this is including stuff that's older stuff that got brought onto Netflix yeah sure yeah I was just about
1: to ask that well
3: not knock knock for example the Keanu Reeves movie Mm. that's considered in the top 10 right like that's number two or three but we were number nine uh, and the cheapest movie for sure on horror movies and we were like number six or number five i want to say for thrillers so this little movie that by and large should have disappeared from whatever else did well because of fans because of people who liked it talked to their friends about it because you know when i used to test movies the it doesn't matter what kind of trailer i could cut i could pay all kinds of money to cut an amazing trailer but it's you telling your friend oh fuck that movie is fucking dope you need to fucking see that shit over there son that's what actually makes people see shit and yeah. so that's what that's what happened at the end of the day we were very lucky we we're very lucky in
2: that it,
1: it feels like really like coming on to a lot of these shows uh anything from i still can't believe that after last podcast you you came on ours which we are totally grateful for but like just kind of coming on the shows and and talking with the fans, really. That's really all you're doing, right? Because Aaron and I, we pretty much are Chris Farley, like, gushing about, like, hey, yeah, remember that? That was awesome. Like, that's basically (laughs) what our show is. No, 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 listen, 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 listen. You guys have asked us amazing
3: questions.
4: And don't you know enough about, like, creatives? All we want is to have people gush and say, remember how awesome that was? (laughs) (laughs) We live for that.
3: We live for that. Well, I mean, listen, Naomi Grossman definitely deserves it. I don't deserve it as much, but she definitely deserves it because she's like an icon of horror, and, and she's been such a great team player and helping us. At the end of the day, she has a, a money-grubbing producer interest in this movie too, <laughs> so uh, so that's why maybe it's 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 a great thing. And she's been she's been a great partner, and we've been we've been great friends forever, obviously. But I think these kinds of podcasts help us in all kinds of ways mentally. And you know, if you're a um a, what's it called a exhibitionist, or, yeah, and extrovert, yeah, then you you need an audience and I feel like Naomi gets a little bit of that sometimes out of these things. Oh, this is you know? my
4: first conversation <laughs> today.
1: Like in the COVID <laughs> era, yeah.
3: yeah.
4: Yes. It's, yes. Right.
0: Yeah. it's also good for people who do listen who are wanting to get into the industry or are already in the industry and hit the same frustration walls and the same challenges that y'all have discussed and going through all the same stuff and be able to hear somebody else say yeah, hey, we ran into the same problem and here's how we got around it. You know, here's how it worked out for us and be able to take that back and say well i can apply that to what i'm doing like they overcame the same issues now i can push through it it helps because it's a good um motivator for a lot yeah. of people for
3: sure for sure you know it's funny i had pretty produ- i'm not gonna say who but i had producers of much bigger fare who have stuff on netflix who approached me like in the cold like hey listen i How did you guys get to number one? What did you do? I mean, we we signed a deal with Netflix. And to be honest, here's the thing. Netflix is a great company, but they have these original films that they're working on that they spent so much more money on. And maybe they have much bigger stars. If you're, you know, for example, Project Power, Jamie Foxx movie, right? They spent $86 million or something like that on that movie. Like, do you think they're going to talk about us on their social media? Are they going to talk about their fucking $86 million movie, which is driving (laughs) subscriptions or the little fucking, you know, I won't say how much they picked this up for, but it wasn't a lot. Uh, Are they going to do that or that? they're obviously going to do the original and that's all they do if you look at out their sites they only talked about us on social media twice and then for some reason when we get to number one and we take out project power which had been number one on their top 10 list for movies for 13 days in a row was about to break the record for the year if it had been number one for the 14th day and all of a sudden shitty little one br comes in and like ah we defeated you (laughs) train wreck boom (laughs) Uh, no no there was an article in forbes what is this no name
2: movie (laughs) that
3: has defeated like project power but that was in a amazing kind of feat in that way and it was interesting that to understand what Netflix is about is you can't feel mad at them at the end of the day that they're not helping you because you don't drive subscriptions for them Jamie Foxx is driving subscriptions for them but it's interesting to see how that machinery works to understand what you can do for the next time and like I said other producers came to us and were like what the fuck did you do who did you suck over there to make this happen streaming
0: is such a brave new world in the industry anyway that like it doesn't matter how established you are and how much you have under your belt streaming's new for everybody well
3: i'll tell you very simply the sooner you can figure that
0: out and work within that the better it's gonna be yeah
3: 100 percent. but you know what we did and this is this is comes this brings it full circle once we premiered in April, and we sort of knew not soon after that we would be on Netflix at the end of August, was that we sort of had a missive to ourselves. We would go out and do every interview, whether it would be per podcast or for just, you know, a print publication or, you know, some sort of website. We weren't quite up to, like, Rotten Tomatoes accredited, which I thought was very important, but some other people in, you know, uh, maybe a publicist or whoever was involved didn't think it was important for horror movies, and I was like, this is bullshit. We're not a horror movie. We're a horror movie slash thriller slash psychological thriller. So these people pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. and rotten tomatoes you go into itunes for example that fucking score is right next to your fucking yeah it movie. is yeah so why not have it up to the point that you have 40 reviews and so we went out personally and went to different fucking yeah. publications and we talked to them and said hey, listen i think it was overlooked but we'd love to show you the movie and we got us up to 40 we got that fucking yeah. thing so all of those things going in and naomi helping us so much with every podcast even now the movie's been released like for so like almost we're gonna come on a year pretty soon and we're still gonna be doing podcasts because she believes in the project all our other uh, you know stars as well this is like this is the little movie that could
1: in it, a lot it, of ways you know it's I'm social kidding. media boots on the ground oh, yeah. campaign and marketing but, like, and word of mouth yes. boots
4: on the ground i mean alone yeah. is he's not even telling you all of like the half of it
3: so the the, the point is that she she was an amazing team player we had so many good friends that helped us with this and also just like we were supposed to be making other movies let's say right everything got delayed because of covid so i yeah. get up every day and be like all right i gotta sell 100 copies of this movie to keep this like money that we like you know took out of the house but my work ethic was that I need to sell 100 copies a day, whether this is in England or whether this is in like Japan or whatever. Who can I talk to today? <laughs> Who can we get on with? Who's the biggest girl in bedroom
1: in one needs to be bought in Russia?
3: Yeah. 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 My house in Japan yeah, I needs mean, so
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. taken
3: care of, you know? Like, so I would do this every day and I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to go into Rotten Tomatoes and look up a movie that was a lot shittier movie than us. And I'm going to see the critics that gave that movie a good <laughs> review because if they like that piece of shit, they're going to love our piece of shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Something that we do like to, Do on our show is discuss fears and phobias. So, kind of out of curiosity, what is some weird fear or phobia? y'all have and the weirder the better the more specific the better yeah
0: this is stuff we like talking with everybody about because this is one thing that's great about horror as a genre is there is something for everybody you know whatever your fear phobia is there's a movie for that so yeah what are the things that kind of get to y'all personally and get under your skin and things that maybe from time to time influence you creatively
4: okay sure I will say this I tend to be a pretty fearless person not afraid this virus i'm just i'm not afraid like i mean i'm wearing the mask but um i'm just saying like i i love heights spiders do nothing like i i like all the the things that people are afraid of do nothing for me like bumps in the night like for that matter like horror movies i have like a huge very high tolerance for like it takes a lot to make me scared maybe it's like goes back to my past my dad was an architect and for whatever reason, like I always had this real fear of homelessness. Like I would see, you know, homeless people. And that was terrifying to me. The idea of like not having a place to live. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, especially now, especially in LA where ho- housing costs, costs are so high we're at a point right now and i don't know where it, what it's like in the rest of the country because quite honestly like i haven't traveled since coronavirus but yeah. right now our government is such that you can't touch somebody's property on the street because that's their property and so right now like off the sides of freeways there's entire like tent cities like these metropolises be like just and it's Scary. It's the kind of thing where when people come to town and haven't been here for a while, they're like, whoa, what happened? And it's only going to get worse as, you know, this pandemic goes on and people can't afford the rent that's no longer pardoned. So yeah. that's my fear. And fortunately, like I said, I grew up, you know, in a home that was, that was never going to happen. So it's sort of totally unfounded. And I think, honestly, that is the irony of all of this. The fact that I've managed to like make a career for myself in horror and I honestly like I truly believe there's nothing to fear but fear itself I like to say to myself like when you're you know afraid of something I always like to think but is it real you know what I mean because half of the things we're afraid of are things that are total figments of our imagination like they don't even exist and I think that's part of my trick to being fearless is that I literally can like break it down and like it ain't real like I'll never forget at, like dropping acid at Universal Studios horror, <laughs> Halloween horror night, Hell yeah. you know, and my girlfriend that I was did the LSD with was like freaking out. And I'm
2: like, girl, yeah.
4: you're an actress. Like it, they're literally like unemployed actors in masks enjoy the theatricality and let's have some fun yeah. The real and, horror uh,
1: is you know, when you, when you go back to their apartment and <laughs> in real life so that's it
4: <laughs> yeah no the real horror is you know kind of what we saw uh, at the Capitol building on Wednesday yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean like yeah. the real horror is the stuff that's real.
1: Aaron, beginning of our sh- like first episode, he said that the genre horror is a, r- a pressure valve. It's a release valve to get all those fears and anxieties out of your system of the real life stuff. What happened a couple days ago, like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, so mean, that's think- me. Oh, I also I also hate snakes. i'm not afraid of them i just i don't want to see them i don't want to touch them just keep them away
0: they'll be absolutely afraid of nothing (laughs) (laughs) asterisk snakes
3: yeah well i was gonna say uh, you know i um i weirdly develop more phobias later in life like i mean same here i'm not scared of of heights but like if i'm at the Grand canyon and i'm looking over the edge let's say i only stay there for like two or three seconds i'll be uh, enough i've seen it you know, yeah, good. I don't. I don't need to. I don't <laughs> need to hang out there and tempt fate that I'll fall over because that earthquake happens or you know whatever. So there's that. Also, the snakes thing for me is actually more relevant. Weirdly, my roommate had a snake. I would feed the snake. I would hold the snake and this and that. But nowadays, I'm like I don't really want to do that. Like you know, I just don't <laughs> like. I just don't feel like the meat. Need... Well, you know, what it is. It's multiple snakes. If you have like multiple snakes, I think there's something wrong with you sometimes. Yeah. You know and then secondly, I'm like I don't need to be around multiple snakes because if you one have one snake,
0: get... it's a pet named jerry if yeah. you have a bunch of steaks in your house something's it's, up yeah it's like it's, indiana, the, it's the indiana it's, jones it's, it's indiana yeah, jones yeah. and it's
3: the temple floor that's yeah, what's fucking yeah. going on there like, i mean i don't need to be around that i don't want to surround myself with that you know you keep them in your terrarium i'm good you know i'm not going in that room that, those, those are kind of the two things for me but beyond I'll that
4: I mean, so, no, yeah i was gonna say i know i just t- told a story about dropping acid but i'm also i am afraid of very heavy drugs that sure, point yeah. of when you're just going from like a fun night at you know, Universal Studios to like, un- like reckoning.
1: Yeah, it's turning at you, like, yeah. It suddenly yeah, turns dark. Yeah. Double
4: dong doing no. <laughs> that like I how do
1: you get
3: there?
4: Like that yeah. is what scares me.
3: Well, I don't dark. I don't think that's a, I, well here's the thing though. I, I think there's a lot of things that get you to that place. I don't think you're in that place, Naomi thankfully. So I don't think you should have a fear of it as much, but I mean I can understand to some extent. Right, yeah. right. The it's the thing difference
0: in doing drugs and getting pulled into the inevitable black hole of no return where that is what's going on yeah well, I
3: mean I think yeah. it's, I, th- I think it's like Naomi and I went to go see uh, uh, the movie cats uh, at the Alamo draft off <laughs> oh <laughs> was, hell yeah we, we um, but it's a thing called rowdy cats right we get to talk to the screen and hell yeah. uh, I, I, I took her there and we did some edibles and we did you know about 15 to 20 milligrams it's it's legal in California so I don't yeah. know about to talk yeah. about it but it was a thing where Naomi Grossman is a huge uh, drama, drama geek I've never seen Cats before in my life. I had never seen it. It, A movie, a musical, otherwise. But I know every word. Every word. Every word. (laughs)
2: And and so...
3: We're sitting there and like with 20 people on a 10 o'clock at night show watching Cats and High and you just saw so many weird things watching it in that experience. So much fun
1: by the way. I mean the best. Oh I I I would yeah that sounds like a blast. I could never
3: watch we were were like where are the assholes we want to see the assholes. Where's the yeah Yeah, release the 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 asshole cut cut. yeah Yeah, yeah. the butthole cut. So So there there was that but then there was also like Naomi singing every word and at some point
2: (laughs) we're like like, could you shut up?
3: (laughs) No she, she 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 was singing and she was it was in her heart it was in her soul and god bless her right but then like you know at some certain point we kind of start putting things together that probably aren't there we're like this fucking musical's racist why are the black cats are like why are they the bad guys in this movie why aren't there any <laughs> white cats that are bad and we were just like this is racist this is, and then people start chanting with us like, <laughs> like i can't wait to be with naomi grossman again and watch fucking cats and and maybe the butthole cut if we're blessed uh yeah. and and be in person with her i that is for the new year, I hope and pray for.
1: We have said <laughs> We it can do this. We yeah. have said it before, we will say it again on this podcast. Fuck the Snyder Cut. We want the butthole cut. Yeah. <laughs> but Give us the butthole that. cut of cats. We need fuck
3: it. The, fuck <laughs> the Snyder <laughs> Cut. The butthole cut would be so much
1: more important. It's so today, much better. So. Yeah. Uh, you know,
4: uh, look, there's a new movie that might almost be as bad. And by that, I mean good as cats. And that is starring me, Sky Sharks.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, so I'm looking for that one. Look at that up right now.
4: February, I wanna say, on uh Blu-ray, starring me, the Candyman, pretty much anybody oh, that yeah. happened to be in this at this German Comic-Con we were at like a couple years ago. We were literally like sitting around drinking beer after hours at the Comic Con, and there these German filmmakers were chatting us up and we were like, we wanna be in that. And sure <laughs> enough, cut to the next day. We We were anyway. My part is very small, obviously, because it was shot over the course of the weekend uh, when I wasn't sitting at the Comic Con. Hey,
1: on on IMDb, your fourth build. So (laughs) there you go. There you go. (laughs) go.
4: Anyway, it's going to be. Terrible. But if I are lucky, they will keep the the shark's buttholes. I don't know.
3: (laughs) I mean, if they were smart, they would insert them. And if they're not there right now, so they could have a one-up on cats. I mean, frankly, that's what I feel. But you know what? I would love to watch that movie with you, even on Zoom. I would totally be there for that.
4: It's going to, uh, I would say, ruin my career. But I think it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be like cats. Like, I'm going to embrace it.
1: Hey, you you got to work with Tony Todd. That's fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. There
4: you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: real quick do y'all have any other projects coming up you wanted to plug ladies first
4: well of course i mean we're all just waiting to see the buttholes of the sharks of sky sharks i, uh, I cannot
1: wait for this movie now absolutely. absolutely yeah
4: i haven't had anything go on for a minute
1: One
2: You have a woman uh, show.
4: yes i have uh taken upon myself throughout the pandemic to write my next great american novel my next uh one woman show in my case um i have two that i did prior to pepper actually uh and now this is my third so yeah i I'm really excited about it. Last year, I was saying it would happen last year. But of course, a lot of things happened last year. I couldn't have anticipated. But I don't see any reason why that won't be happening this year. I know that you're probably like, really? Because we're not gathering in theaters anytime soon. But uh, my plan is, of course, now that we've learned how to game Netflix, uh, my hope of course is to actually go to some streaming service like a Netflix and you know sell it to them as one of their one hour comedy specials I don't see yeah. any reason why not oh, yeah. so that's can my people, hope can people like <laughs> see it
1: at your uh, social media
2: or well, yeah or...
4: so if they follow me of course at um, Naomi W Grossman <laughs> verify so you'll know it's me you'll find out all about it then but like awesome. I said I, I hope it'll be as, as big as 1BR you just can't <laughs> miss it it's number one
3: uh, in terms of what we're working on um, uh, we have a, a movie with uh, this Marcel Sarmiento writer director who did the movie Dead Girl all I will tell Cut. you is it's a sci-fi horror film can't tell anything else uh, David Marmer's next film we're going to be working on that as well I'm not telling you a goddamn thing about it uh, <laughs> because they're trying to J.J. Abrams the shit out of this and not tell you anything and then like you know what's in the box yeah. you have to wait to see what's in the box and you know, you'll want to hopefully see what's in the box and pay to see what's in the box so those are the two things I'm working on and in addition to a sequel hopefully this time next year we'll be shooting the sequel for uh, 1BR uh, not called 2BR or it could be called one oh BR, two bathroom, because who doesn't need an extra bathroom when you're in a relationship? Yeah, there you go. It, it keeps things fresh when you're in a yeah. relationship.
4: Obviously. Oh, and I'm in a relationship with that hot felon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> two, 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 two bathroom,
3: two bathroom. One. <laughs>
1: Socials for 1BR are at 1BR underscore film on Twitter. Um, Are there any other socials that you wanted to hit?
3: That's Instagram as well and then if you look for 1BR underscore film I think it's the same thing for goddamn Facebook or whatever and stuff. If you just google it you'll find it. Again, thank
0: y'all so much for coming on taking time out of y'all
3: schedules. Once again we have Alok Mishra,
0: the producer of 1BR and Naomi Grossman, the star of 1BR. Definitely check out the movie. It is available on netflix amazon prime if you wanted to
1: support them directly Buy it on Blu-ray. Buy it, VOD. That's the way to actually do it. Thank y'all so much. And Thank y'all so much for coming yeah. on. Thank we you. Are Watch if you Dare. Thank you
4: for having us. We Thank
1: are Watch If You Dare, a horror movie podcast. You can find us at all the podcatchers, Apple, Google Play, or no, no longer Google Play, Amazon. Uh, we are at Watch If You Dare on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you to Jesse Mansfield, your little brother, Aaron, for our music at the beginning and end of each episode. Thank y'all so much again. And uh, again, everybody, check out 1BR. Sally, do not sign the lease.